Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, so you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Live and broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. So boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's totally gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Show episode 325. Special guest on the show today. We got Sean Prez in the house. Sean, how are we doing today? I know you're in New York right now. Jack, what up? What up? Yes, I'm in New York. We're freezing. I'm so jealous. You're out there on the West Coast living a good life. So I'm pissed a little bit since uh, I know that you're chilling and I am freezing. <laughs> other than that, I'm good. Uh, I know you used to travel all the time. Now you're not really getting quite the opportunity with everything going on. Kind of, it's been what, like almost a year to the day yeah. that you've been stuck yeah. with COVID-19. No, nah, it sucks. Um, you know, a big part of my life is obviously traveling and COVID, it, it shut the world down. It shut down so many, uh, so much of what we know to be the norm. Oh, yeah. So, you know, for me, and I am one of those guys that I am petrified of COVID. I take it extremely serious. I know in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, people don't take it as serious as they should. Um, but in the beginnings, if you remember last March, April, May, New York was ravaged. It was devastated. I know at, at the bare minimum, at least 10 people who passed away due to COVID. Um, and these are not just people I know randomly or casually, casually, these are people I truly know. So for me, even though the vaccine is now available and it's being rolled out, I, I you know, I've had turned into a, uh, a recluse. I, I've been in this house, you know, I, I go out only when I have to because I, I take that virus, that, that, um, COVID-19 virus, extremely serious. Oh, yeah. I, I remember when it all went down and my parents wanted to fly me back home to Jersey just to like see me. Because again, it was, we knew that this was probably going to be a big situation. We were in it for the long haul. And I'm like, do I really want to fly into like the epicenter of this thing right now? Like I'm flying right into the lion's den in New York and New Jersey. 
And then by the time I flew back to Arizona, Arizona was the epicenter over the summer. And I'm like, yep. oh, God, like I really can't catch a break right now. But it has been insanely crazy times, hopefully dying down at this point. Because, again, a year now, we, we got the vaccine. Again, who knows what the turnout's going to be, like you said. Uh, I know I'm going to get it. I, I, I know you said you were. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how things evolve over time and how we go back to normal. I know Texas is literally going back to – 100% normalcy starting next week. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I guess they'll be the test dummy for the other 50 states to see how everything is going to go, but it's nuts, man. No, nah, it really is. Um, you know, it's so crazy because what a difference a year makes. Uh, even though the vaccine's rolling out, it, I mean, just like you said, Texas, uh, they have lifted all of the masks. You can now go. There's no social distances. There, yeah. There's none of that. The governor said they'll go back to normal. Uh, the, even the thought of that for me, it's it's petrifying. I'm like, what? Are you crazy? So even though, <clears throat> God willing, um, according to our new president, he says that they're, um, uh, by midsummer, there should be enough vaccine to go around for every adult um, in the United States, I just don't know what normal looks like. So I'm waiting. I, I do pray and hope that we can go back to uh, living the way we used to, because truth be told, I miss people. <laughs> you know, it, like I really do. I miss social interaction. I miss just being able to go out and have a, a, a dinner in a restaurant, shake someone's hands. But, you know, I, I don't even know what that life looks like anymore. So hopefully we'll go back to that. But I'm I'm probably going to be one of the last people to participate in that. Oh, my. I definitely feel that. I actually went to because spring trainings out here for MLB, they just started. And I just met up with some guy I used to work with. He was giving me a tour of the press box or whatever. And I'm like, this kind of feel like it felt very nostalgic because like we haven't been able to do stuff like this in nearly a year and a half. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I got so used to like doing this, you know, like communicating with people over zoom over text, whatever that it was like, Oh my God, like things again, were like so much better before everything happened. Like you almost forget at this point in time, 15, 16 months in uh, of, of everything going down. Like you almost forget how good things were. Were you again, like very social media tech savvy before everything happened or like over the past 12 months, were you able to again, like figure everything out, like over zoom or creating, you know, videos on Instagram, Twitter, things alike like that? You know, that's a great question. And it, and it, we've been talking about the darker side of uh, the virus and the pandemic, but there are a lot of great things that has come out of it. Uh, I, I think in, in just what we're doing right now, uh, being able to have this conversation, you're on one coast, I'm on another coast, but we are able to speak. This has become a norm. Virtual meetings are now, it's regular. It's, it's just what we do. And, for people like yourself who have these wonderful podcasts, this is going to be a mainstay. Whereas before, some people were using Skype, some people, you know, it just wasn't the normal thing to do. People had to be sitting right in front of you, so which limited your guests, which limited the access to the people who you can actually speak to. So that was a good thing that come, came out of it. And with that said, um, just more directed to your question, no, <clears throat> you know, I, I have never been huge on social media. I have never been someone that uh, really participated with, with, with putting my life out there in the open. And one, one of the great things that came out of this experience was me 
you know, I had more time on my hand. I was doing less traveling. Uh, so, you know, really starting to get deep into um, social media and starting to, to create my profile and, and, and speak to the world virtually, that has been a great thing for me. I also have a podcast, Power Move Makers, as you know, and, you know, being able to do interviews just like this uh, with people who are not just on the other side of the country, but on the other side of the world. Uh, you know, it's been a wonderful experience. So I think that although there's been a lot of uh, a lot of bad and a lot of hardships that have gone along with the virus, I think that there are a lot of there is a lot of good that has come out of it. If you applied yourself, if you took this this time that we were given back, because one of the things that we all pray for, and I, I know in my case, right. Uh, prior to to the pandemic, me like so many other people, I just didn't have time. That that was my favorite. You know, th that that was one of, of of the constants that would come out my mouth. I, I don't have time. I was always moving, always moving. Well, God gave us time back. The the question is, what have you done with your time? If you are in the same position that you were a year ago, a year and a half ago, prior to COVID. You, you should be ashamed of yourself. You were given the greatest gift because you can always make more money. You can always reclaim goods that were lost. The one thing you can never get back is time. And we were given this wonderful, wonderful gift of time. And I just hope all of your listeners uh, really took advantage of this gift that was given to us and can look back over the last 12 to, to 16 months and say, I was in this place before the pandemic and I am here now and I'm so proud of myself. I use my time wisely. That was the first thing that I thought, like I'm gonna be stuck in my house for at least the next five or six months. I'm like, I, it's either I come out of this better or I come out of it worse because if you yep. come out of it the same, you're coming out of it worse. You know, like you come, you come back, I come back to Phoenix after spending a lot of time back East uh, over the summer, just spending time with family. Cause I didn't know how long this was going to last. I didn't know where I was going to be. Like, I didn't want to be locked in my house alone. You know, may as well be back home with the folks back home with the siblings and everything. But I remember coming back and people thinking like, yeah, man, just Netflix binging the last six months and everything. I'm like, really? Like you didn't, you didn't like set out any plan. Like, even if you didn't have like a general idea of what you wanted to accomplish, like at least sit down, write some things down, read some books, like figure out mentally. Like, I feel like a lot of people mentally got their stuff together over the last, again, 12 to 16 months, preparing for projects or preparing for things that they want to improve on being either a better businessman, a better uh, person, you know, a better, a better father, better sibling, better husband, whatever, yep. just a better overall human being. Again, you I think a lot of people, myself included, I'm sure you as well, you know, finding that clarity in a sense, being alone, being alone with your thoughts and being able to comprehend things that you weren't able to do because, again, you were too busy in a sense. Yeah, I mean, we may never get, and again, you have to look at the blessings in all things, right? You know, it, 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 the Bible says all things work for the good. Uh and, and COVID wasn't, it's not great. Millions of people has been lost. But again, all things work for the good. There's a lot of good that have come out of it. And, you know, hopefully people have used 
this time wisely. Hopefully people are more clear and more centered and more focused and have at the very least created a foundation that, you know, because when you're building uh, any type of structure, we can go into a building today and we look at this, you know, wonderful architecture. We walk in and we look up. What most people don't do is look down and understand that these buildings, they're standing because of what is below you. It is the foundation. It is that thing that supports this, this structure that goes way into the sky, you know, through storms and through winds and, and everything that, that nature can throw at it to topple it over. So I'm just hoping that people use this time to build the thing that most people won't look at, which is your foundation, which is that structure. And now when we come out of this pandemic, you can work on just building your way up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like for those that, again, didn't utilize their time to the best of their ability are going to come out of this very, very handicapped in a sense, because not only did they not have the, the mentality to get better and to strive for greatness during the time that, again, they had almost a complete year to get their stuff together because they were given, like you said, that amount of time to do stuff. For those people that don't are not going to come out of this in that sense are, again, going to be limiting themselves because they've already set that mental mindset for themselves that there's really nothing I can do. When in reality, there was so much that you could have done. Like a year ago, I had no idea how to use Zoom. Like I had no idea what Zoom even was. Now I'm on it almost every single day talking to people, you know, like you utilize that time having conversations like this with you, like getting to pick people's brains, you know, getting a sense of clarity in a way that you probably wouldn't have gotten it um, anywhere else because your brain wasn't, you know, molded that way yet, at least in my sense, again, just interacting with people all the time, getting to hear people's stories, you know, getting to hear what makes them tick. Like I've been able to, uh, again, mold my brain, mold my personality, and again, grow uh, my mind in that sense over the past year with everything that has been given to us from a technological standpoint, since we can't meet in person. No, you're so, you're so right. You know, and, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but again, I think if you come out of this, and you said it the best, if if you come out of this thing the same as you went in, you know, you're actually behind, you know. So so I'm just hoping that people use this time to get better, to do better, to build and to set themselves up for success. Well, I've definitely seen it with your social media platform. Obviously, you have your your Monday motivation videos, your Warrior Wednesday interviews that you do uh, on, on Instagram. And I, again, I wanted to pick your brain today about, you know, like certain aspects of your career and how you got there and how you've been able to, again, build this mindset to want to help other individuals accomplish their goals and break through those certain, you know, mental barriers that they set for themselves. Because I feel like a lot of people do that. But in your case, you know, like you started out, in one thing, whether it was party planning or anything else that you wanted to do, obviously you break into the music industry as a tour manager, you're doing your own thing now. When did you kind of depict early on that you knew, because again, faith, of course, playing a big uh, role in your life as well. You kind of knew like, okay, this didn't work out, but I knew now that it set me up for my future things that I ended up accomplishing. I don't think we have enough time to <laughs> question. So I'll give you the shortest answer that I possibly can. Uh, 
<clears throat> I come from the South Bronx, New yeah, York. Yeah. You being from the East Coast, you obviously know the South Bronx is the poorest, most impoverished borough in all of New York City. It is literally a third world country within the five boroughs of New York. That said, success for us looked like if you get, if you even graduated high school, that was considered success. If you made it out of high school and went to college, that was, you know, almost unheard of. Uh, it wasn't like our parents were encouraging us to do that because they barely graduated high school. And in ultimate success was getting a government or a city job. So if you work for the city or you work for the state, you did it. Like that was the big thing. You get a, a, a city job and you were set for life. Right. I wanted to take a different path. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I was the same guy who was shoveling snow in the winter, uh, mowing lawns in the summer, packing bags at the at, at the local supermarket, pumping gas for tips. You name it, I did it if I could make a dollar. So <clears throat> I went to college and I did, you know, what most of us are taught. Uh, we're all taught that this is society smiles on you if you go to college and you get your four-year degree. Somewhere in my junior year, I experienced a depression. It was the first time in my life that I, I mean, I've never been uh, evaluated as having clinical depression, but if I was, I could probably liken it to what I experienced it somewhere in my junior year, uh, where I was doing what society said was right. I was doing what, what you know, we were taught to do, to conform and to, to get this four-year degree and, and then get your resume out there and get a great job. But I, I looked around that college campus and I'm like, this ain't it. Like, I know I'm doing what everybody in my family, everybody in my immediate circle, society tells me this is the right way to do it but I felt incomplete, completely incomplete. And I wound up dropping out. I wound up leaving school uh, somewhere in the middle of my junior year. It, would, it had nothing to do with uh, my ability to handle the workload. It had nothing to do with my intelligence. It had everything to do with, I wanted more out of life. And whatever Sean, you know, and this is an individual decision, whatever Sean was supposed to do with his life, whatever God had in store for me, it wasn't there on that college campus, even though outside looking in, that was the right road for me to get to my ultimate destination. And when I came home, you know, you alluded to it a little earlier. I had nothing to do. Like I was I was I, I was just a man who was just out there. I was, you know, and I was in I, I was searching my soul for what was next. I, I wanted I, I wanted to figure it out. And I had a good friend of mine and he was a DJ and he said, Sean, you're popular. I'm a DJ. Let's start throwing parties. Um, and that's what I did. I did it. I, I didn't do it because I knew anything about, uh, you know, party promotion. I, I didn't know anything about creating events. I did it because I just had nothing else to do. And it was just a way for me to spend my time in doing the party promotions. If you know anything about party promotion, it, it, it runs parallel to the music industry because you are booking guests. You know, it's, it's kind of one and the same. So yeah, you're, you're party promoting, but you kind of have this, this bird's eye view into the music industry. 
Um, and when I started to party promote, a couple of things happened. First and foremost, I re-enrolled in a local college because I started my degree and I wanted to finish it. So I went to a local school. And while I was in the school, I started to do these internships in the music industry because I was party promoting that night every Friday and Saturday night. And I was looking like, yo, the music industry, that seems like it's something that, that I want to do. Like, like I love that aspect of, of it's non-traditional. It seems fun. And at the time, you know, I'm a hip hop head. I'm the guy always with the headphones on, you know, when I'm driving, I'm always blasting my music. So I take these internships one after the other, after the other. And literally, you know, there were no child labor laws in place at that time. So we could work for free. Like it, it was, they, they didn't compensate us in any which way, shape or form. So I got no, uh, I got no car fare to get down there. We had no lunch money. It wasn't like they paid us any, you know, any type of money or even credit at that time with college. I mean, for, for, for college. So I did it for free and I would work at one internship, one label, and I would get, uh, you know, at the end of the internship, eight months, a year later, you know, I don't have a job for you. Thanks for working for free. Good luck. And I did that five times over, five times over, over the course of close to six years, getting beat up, knocked down, disappointed, disheartened. And, you know, at that point, somewhere along the line, I realized that that is what I wanted to do with my life. But just to, to conclude on this, two things happened. Number one, when I got finally, finally, after about six years of working for free, like literally working for free and subsidizing my income through the parties at night, there was this upstart record label. And, you know, it was this young hotshot in the music industry named Sean Diddy Combs. At that time, people called him Puff. And he had just gotten fired from Arist I mean, from Uptown Records. And he was starting his own label called Bad Boy at the time, mid-90s. And I, I didn't want to do another internship. I, I, had been, I had been beat up. And, you know, I felt unhirable. And I felt as though, you know, it was just never going to happen. And when I went into Bad Boy... Uh, I went down there. My friend told me, hey, bad boy is, is you know, looking for interns. I went down there. I didn't want to intern. They only wanted me to be on the street team. And we can get into that at a later point. But long story short, I I, I went and, I, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. I couldn't give up on my dream. And that was the label that changed my entire life. It, 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 you know, it took a long time to get there but it changed my life. And I bring up the party promotions for a key reason. Number one is because it was the, the, uh, the vehicle that allowed me to see that there was this industry that was very non-traditional that I could actually make a living at, you know, whether through promotion or through working in the music industry, because working in the music industry now is the norm. Back in the nineties, that wasn't the norm. That wasn't a, 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 a a real career path that people took. And number two, the, the throwing the parties, it introduced me to entrepreneurship in a real way. Meaning I was a promoter, which meant I had to go and work deals out with shady club promoters. I had to hire staff. I had to learn marketing and promotion. I had to make sure that the money was, was coming in and the revenues were dispersed, paying teams, 
properly. It just was so many uh, nuances of entrepreneurship and business that I learned from doing these parties, which ultimately set me up for years later to create the many businesses that I created. Did you always have that self-discipline factor? Because again, you were alluding to at the beginning there, you uh, dropping out of school. Because a lot of kids today, especially my age in 2021, are like, you got to get a high school diploma, then you got to get a college degree, and that's going to set you up for a job. And if you don't have that exact path, you feel like a failure, which is bogus to me because everybody has their own path. Everybody gets to their success one way or another, as long as you have the heart to get there. Because like you were saying, you were told no, 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 uh, hundreds of times before you finally got your big break, which a lot of people give up too easily because they get told no 15, 20 times and they're like, all right, this isn't for me. So did you always have that self-discipline factor to go through the hard work? Like you said, unpaid internships, you know, post-college, going through all of this dirty work in order to finally get that big break that you eventually got with uh, Diddy or P. Diddy or, you know, one of the five that he had throughout his career, constantly rebranding himself? Uh, the, the, the short answer is yes. I always had it. I, I am a, a highly disciplined human being, but... What I also had, which I would would love to share with your guests, I, I think that we're all born. It's not some of us. Yeah. We're all born with, call it your conscious, call it with an inner voice, whatever it is. It, it's, it's that thing on the inside that speaks to us, but most of us choose not to listen. There is, you know, there are times in our life that this inner GPS, this this inner whisper, whatever it is, uh, maybe it's just your conscience. I don't know. Yeah. It, 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 it directs you. It guides you. You just have this, yo, I just got this intuition. I just had this thought that came out of no way. Like, like let's go that way instead of this way. Unlike most people, I'm brave enough and have always been brave enough to listen to that voice. That is the, 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 the separator. So yes, I've been disciplined, but I think it is more me being in tune with that thing that's on the inside that we all have and not being afraid, even if the rest of the world doesn't get it, even if I have been taught that, you know, you should go down the broad way as opposed to making a narrow path and veering off course. I choose to listen to that inner voice. And it has never, I promise you, Jack, it has never, ever, ever failed me. Um, even when I didn't know where I was going. When I dropped out of school, I had no idea that my life would turn out the way that it did. Zero idea. But it was necessary for me to get back to New York City, get back on the ground, meet up with my friend, start along that long journey that I just told you. And it worked out. And it always does. I can go through dozens of stories just like that. Yeah, I totally agree with you in the sense that everybody has it. It's just about finding that motivation factor that, again, some people want it because, again, like you only live once. Like, I think a lot of people realize that early on, too. You want to accomplish everything you want to accomplish, while some people just, again, don't have that motivation. Some people need that, you know, kick in the ass, that that spark, that 
quote unquote punch in the face to really get going. But for you, it was right off the bat. You knew you always listened to that inner voice uh, no matter what was happening. Because, again, like you knew that college wasn't the right situation for you, but you also didn't know what the right situation was going to be. But at the same time, you had the courage uh, enough to you know, take that opportunity and say, this isn't for me. I have to go find it somewhere else, even though the future looks very blurry, you know, in the near future. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing, especially when you are going after your dreams, you are trying to achieve something that you personally have never achieved. Sometimes, you know, you're in this tunnel and it's just black, you know, and, and you have a choice. You can, it's two directions you can go. You can go back or you can choose to go forward, even though you can't see where you're going, even though that light at the end of the tunnel have not presented itself yet. You could say, I could go back to what I what I know. I, I know what's back here. Like I, I entered this tunnel and I know exactly what's back there. For me, what was back there was staying in school, uh, getting my college degree, putting my resume out there, taking a corporate job somewhere, working for 20, 30 years. And hopefully I would have saved up a couple of bucks and I would retire and die. That's what was back there. Right. But most people are too afraid of the unknown of what's in front. And I just believe if you're following this, and not this, not, not, you notice I keep going here yeah. to my chest. Um, for anybody who's listening to this on podcast or audio form, I'm pointing to my heart, to, 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 to what's in my, my spirit and my soul. And I'm not pointing to my head. You know, when, 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 when you think, you know, we're taught to think based on what we know. We're taught to think based on logic based on uh, two plus two equals four. When, when you follow your gut, that's what it is. It's a gut feeling. There is no equation that we can say this is going to work out as it's supposed to be. And it's just trusting and having faith. And for me, I always have faith. When, when, when that inner voice is telling me to move forward, even if I have no idea when I, where I'm going and I don't see the light, and it may take years for that light to present itself. I'm just moving where my, my heart and my soul and my spirit tells me to move. And yeah. it's always worked out. And I will tell your guests, trust, trust that, that GPS, trust that inner compass, trust that, that, uh, that navigation guide that God has implanted in all of us. You just have to trust it, even if you don't know how long or, or, or how you're going to get to your destination. I mean, fear is the biggest factor in that sense. Like everybody's just afraid to fail. You're going to fail inevitably, whether you try or you don't try, you know, like you, like you said, like you're going to fail a hundred times over before you finally get that break and succeed, or you're going to fail sitting on your couch, being too afraid to even try. And, and to kind of, again, like bring that full circle, there's people who, will try and again, fail a hundred times over and then succeed. And then you're riding some sort of wave that again is eventually going to crash and you're going to go through hard times again. So either way, whether you look at it, you know, 
failure is hard. Success is hard. Choose your heart in that sense, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's kind of a cheesy way of looking at it. I hear that quote all the time, but I, I feel like people are way too attached to their, you know, comfort zones. You know, being, I, I've always learned that, like, learn to be comfortable by being uncomfortable in a sense, like try something new every day that makes you feel uncomfortable because that's going to grow not only you physically, but mentally and above all else mentally and psychologically in the sense of like, oh, I can do this. Maybe I can go out and do this. And actually, again, yes, when, when you go through those uncomfortable times and you're able to break through, that's when you feel most alive. And that's when things click, I feel like. And then for you early on in your career, like going through, you know, some of those, those hardships, whether it was those, those internships going, going through the mud, which I'm sure you enjoyed as well. Like looking back at it, you probably wouldn't rate any of those experiences for the world because it molded you into who you are today. But, you know, looking back at those, were there any like really um, specific, uncomfortable times that you can remember that you were like, man, I'm really glad I went through that as opposed to thinking like, man, that was a hard, that was a really hard time for me. Uh, well, I can absolutely say I'm extremely glad that I went through it all because, you know, and again, it would take me days to tell you guys all how the piece is connected. Uh, but much of it in real time and even looking back, it was discouraging. It was disappointing. There were so many times where I wanted to give up. It was so many times I wanted to quit. Just, just imagine for yourself, you know, I want to put something in perspective for you. I, like I said, I enrolled back in school. Uh, so I would go to school, I don't know, let's just say nine to 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon, right? From there, I would leave and I would do unpaid internships. And I would work, let's just say one o'clock when I got down there, 1.30 when I got to Manhattan to about nine, 10 at night. I would come home, I would have to study, all of that stuff, or I would have to go out and party promote, uh, you know, for my Friday party. When Friday and Saturday rolled around, I had, uh, I had a part-time job on the weekend. So every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I worked from six in the morning to two in the afternoon. So during the week, I would go to school, I would hand out flyers at night. I would get home extremely late. I would have to do homework, wake up, do it all over again. But on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I had to be to work at six in the morning. So start from Friday. I had to be to work at six in the morning. I worked to two. I get off work. I would go and I would finish. I would do my internship. From my internship, I would literally go and do a party. The party lasted to about four, five in the morning. From there, I did not have any chance to sleep. I would literally go to my job, my other part-time job in the morning on Saturday, work six to two, get out from after six to two. And if I could catch five minutes sleep, I did it. But most of the time I didn't, I would have to go out and, and promote and, and do everything that I needed to do because I had a party again, Saturday night. Then I would go um, and do around the clock, no sleep, go back to work on Sunday morning, work. And when I got out of work on Sunday was the first chance I got a chance to rest. And I did this for years and years and years. So imagine the, the, uh, the beat down that your psyche, oh, yeah. imagine the beat down that, that, you know, uh, 
you, you, we, we all think that we're great in something or most of us. I, I, I felt like I was way more qualified than a lot of people who had these jobs that I wanted to get. An internship, working at a place for a year, leave that, disappointed. They didn't give me a job. Going to another one, working that place for a year, disappointed. After a while, you start to look in the mirror and think it's you. You start to look in the mirror and say, what am I doing wrong? You know, they, it can't be them. It has to be me. I know I'm trying my best. I'm working my butt off. I'm giving it everything I got, but they don't see the talent in me. You, so, so to answer your question, there was so much disappointment. So many times I wanted to quit, but it was also something in me that wouldn't allow me to quit. It was also something in me that every time I got rejected, it made me want to, to go harder. It made me want to prove some of these people who I work for, but I didn't respect wrong. Like, how dare you? Who the hell are you to, to, to tell me that I can't get a job here? Like, like you're so much more qualified or you're so much more skilled than me. So, you, you know, like I said, I can, I can go into this particular answer all day, yeah. but ultimately there are going to be so many heartbreaks so many disappointments, but I wouldn't change it for the world because when it was all said and done, I, I was battle tested. When I, when I finally got into the industry, I'm a freaking green beret. I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who had been dropped in the middle of, of a war zone for so many years. You know, like imagine going to Vietnam and in, in your Rambo, like you got nothing but a, 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 a gun and a knife. No bulletproof vest, no nothing. It is like, it's just like, yo, you got a hundred Vietnamese coming at you, a thousand Vietnamese. We're dropping you in the middle of a war zone and you just better figure it out if you want to come out of this alive. And that's how I felt. I felt like I was a green beret. I felt like I was so battle tested. You can never outwork me. You can never appreciate this thing as much as I appreciate it because I worked too hard to get it. Oh, yeah. I mean, failure is the best teacher in that sense. Like there's a lot of parents who I don't want to call out parents, but like there's a lot of parents who shelter their kids. They don't want them to experience as failures at a young age. They don't want them to experience heartbreak in that sense. But that's what's going to mold you into a tough individual that's going to be able to take on situations like that. Like you said, going through times like that where you can easily say like, oh, man, I'm so much better than what I'm putting out there. Like I, I'm so much more qualified than this individual that is taking something that I probably really deserve. And a lot of young kids feel that way. I'm sure everybody looks back at themselves and are like, oh man, like what was I thinking back then? But there's a lot of people who, again, are very um, sheltered and, and short-minded in that sense of feeling entitled to stuff. And I think, I thought you made a great point on, on your video Monday uh, that you posted about, you know, stop complaining because this is what you signed up for, you know, like you, you always look at the successes of the stuff that you want to do, but you never, and again, people, even with the experience don't always factor in the discipline stuff, the, the, the dirty work that you're going to have to put in that you're not going to like at all, that you're, that's going to drain you mentally. That's really going to challenge you mentally and say like, Oh my God, like, why am I doing this? I, I deserve so much better, but you signed up for it. And I thought that was a great point that you made on Monday. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, we, we, we live in a society where to use your words, which is, which is, is the perfect world. People feel entitled. Yeah. You're not entitled to anything. Right. Do, do you think you're the only one who wants to be successful? Do you think you're the only one that wants that spot that you're trying to get? Do you think you're the only one who's working hard or putting in the hours? No, you're not. 
like get o- like get over yourself. But the bottom line is, if you are are hungry and you truly want it and you're not willing to take no for an answer and you are ready to get down and dirty and get into the pits of life in 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 no matter what your background, I don't care if you were born rich or you were born poor. The, the bottom line is nothing, nothing is is just guaranteed to you. So if you say, I want, I want to do X, whatever X might be, well, along that journey, you're going to be tested. Things are not going to go your way. There are going to be so many bumps in the road to you, Steve Harvey's quote. The, the road to success is always under construction. And I'm living proof of that. Like that, that there's never a, you know, a well-paved road and you're just going to drive down it and get to the to get to the destination of success. It's always under the uh, under construction. There's potholes, there's disappointments, there, there, there is heartbreak. There's all of these things. And when you're going through it, how dare you complain? You signed up for this. Yep. You're the one who said, I want X. You're the one who said, I want to be rich and I want to be wealthy. Well, guess what? You got to take what comes with it. If, 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 you know, people slandering your name comes with it, take it. If, if in my case, taking five internships before I got a job comes with it, take it. It's just what it is. You signed up for it. So stop feeling entitled and get ready to be battle tested. That's the only way that you're going to succeed. And I, I, you're absolutely right when it comes to the Steve Harvey quote, like success is always under construction. And another corny quote that I always come across is, you know, success isn't bought, it's rented and rent is due every single day, stuff like every that, day. you know, because a lot of people, and again, like are under the mindset that like, okay, it's going to be a bumpy road. Like some people think it's going to be smooth, which is ridiculous. Like you were just spoiled growing up, but there's a lot of people who are again, like, it's going to be a bumpy road, but once I get there, it's smooth sailing from there. No, like it's always um, a, a struggle. There's always going to be ups and downs, you know, like you're going to ride waves of momentum. And eventually, like I was saying earlier, they're going to crash and you're going to have to start over. You're not starting from scratch, but you're starting from experience. Cause I know when you, you know, you're, you're finally, you know, on tour, you know, breaking through, um, with Diddy and you guys are on tour, you're, you're the tour manager. You're basically making sure 50 plus people, probably even more people are in their positions, doing their jobs, you know, city to city, town to town, when they're, you know, again, like partying, everybody's got their own mindset, their own different personalities or dealing with all of these different personalities. Were you able to find any, like, again, because again, things get really difficult in that sense. Were you able to find any certain life hacks to make that easier for you? Or was it always every single day, it was something different? Uh, You know, being a tour manager is a very unique job, especially when you're dealing with, uh, an A-level celebrity like a Diddy, especially in his prime. Um, so, so life hacks, I'm sure maybe I've found some, but nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. The, 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 the true life hack was accepting that I was responsible for 50 plus people knowing any and everything about what they were supposed to do when they were supposed to do it on any given tour that we were on. Mm -hmm. And I had to lose sleep. I had to develop uh, uh, a knack for being 
detailed, oriented, meaning even to this day, it's not something I try to do. It's just innately who I am. I pay attention to every little detail because the details matter. The yeah. devil is always in the detail. And for me, you know, the life hack was just hard work, just understanding that while we're on this road, there are going to be more sleepless nights than, I mean, you never get a full night's sleep because I have to be up before everybody and I have to go to bed after everybody. Uh, but, you know, there are things that I can't control, right? You know, you're, you're out there with 50 plus people, you know, it, you know, most of you guys, I, I'm not sure, but I, I would, I would venture to say most people have never been on tour like that, oh, yeah. but you have, after the performances, people are going out, they're going to the clubs, to after parties, they're drinking, they're doing whatever they're going to do. If we have to be back in the hotel um, lobby for, for a lobby call to roll out at 4.30 in the morning, some of these people are still, you know, in the club. Some of these people are, are in their room, hungover, passed out. So having the, the, the thought process and the, the mental awareness um, in, in being able to micromanage on so many levels to know who are your problem people. Those are the people I have to make sure at three o'clock, if there's a lobby call at 4.30, I have to start tracking them down, making sure they're going to be downstairs make, because we can't miss a flight. It's not like if we are doing a show uh, today in the UK and tomorrow we have to be in Germany, there's, you can't miss a flight going over to Germany. There might not be another flight that can get you there on time. So there were just so many things that I had to do. And I just learned uh, to really be very, very detail oriented, understand that there are no shortcuts to success. And, you know, there, there, nothing works like the work. It's just as simple as that. Were you the only one on that team that was kind of like level head, headed, like, all right, I have a set schedule. I have to do this in order to get everybody together. Cause like you said, some people are staying up partying. There's some people still hung over at the bars and stuff still at the venue. You, you have to bring everybody together. So you make, you know, whether it's a flight or, or catching the bus to the next city, were you the only one that was kind of like in the same mindset? Like I have to get this done and it's going to be the hard work that's going to get me through this. No, I wasn't. I, I'm the tour manager. I had a tour assistant that worked yeah. for me. Uh, but you know, there, there are other people on the team who, you know, they, 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 they were just level-headed and they were responsible and they understood that this was a job. So yes. those people, I didn't have to worry about as much. I, I would just pass the information along to them. And just so you know, every day you're in a new city, which means you're in a new hotel, which means that there is, uh, new addresses to new venues, all that. So, so I, you know, would have to make sure that I had um, tomorrow's itinerary always prepared. And there were just some people who would look at the itinerary. They, they were consummate professionals and they got it done. But then, you know, there's other people on the tour who this, this was fun. It wasn't their job. It was, I, I'm able to, to live life uh, that most people would only dream about. And, I want, you know, I want people to to tend to me as though I'm the biggest artist on the planet. And I won't say any names there, but there were tons of, you know, because when you're traveling, there's it's not just one artist, there's tons of artists. 
There's tons of background singers. There's uh, uh, tons of musicians. So there were absolutely people, you know, who, who did really, really well and they were professionals. And then there were just people who, uh, they were just dickheads. They just were not, um, they didn't take their job serious. And, and, and this was fun time for them. And, and that's the way they treated it. Mm, I, there's that like ego factor, right? Where people just think that they're on cloud nine all the time and that they have a say in what they do just because they're accomplishing great things. They're making a lot of money. They're on tour all the time doing all these things, but they don't really appreciate the other factors that go into it when it comes to even like their team members, like you guys are like, making sure everything's in order in order to get to that next gig. Because if you don't get there, you know, like that's when like the cracks are going to be seen by everybody involved and you're going to find out that you're not as great as you think you are. Like even if you're, you know, you're Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Kevin Hart, all these big celebrities or, or musicians like Diddy in that right. Like it, I, I've always thought like it doesn't really matter how big you are. Like if you're not good in the heart, if you think you're bigger than everybody else, you've already lost mentally. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I've come to realize money money has a funny way, money and fame, it has a funny way of, of I wouldn't say changing people, I would just say exposing people. So who you are before you got famous, who you are uh, before you made any real money, before anybody knew your name, when you start to get famous, when you start to, to have money in the bank, when people start to know your name, that person that you always wanted to be and you just couldn't be because you were broke and you were anonymous, right. that person comes out in full force. And if you were a kind person, if you were a warm person, now you use your fame and your celebrity and your newfound riches to help people and be a, a, a shining example to people of what, what, what wealth could look like. It's not all rich people are miserable. All rich people are, are arrogant and dicks. But there are some people who were dicks long before they ever got rich and famous, but they just couldn't, they couldn't show it to the world at the level um, now that they're rich and famous, they can really, now everybody's kissing their butt. Now they, people are waiting on them. People are, are admiring them. And that person who they always was is now magnified by a thousand. And they, you know, they show who they really are full force. Um, so, so it's, it's an interesting dichotomy when it comes to to uh, achieving success and achieving wealth and it's it's one of the the primary motivators of why I do what I do we spoke earlier um, briefly about my podcast my podcast is power move makers um, on on YouTube iTunes um, any of the streaming platforms IG and I want to give a different face to success. I want to, to really use my platform, use my knowledge, use my wisdom, my experiences, the ups, the downs, the beat downs, uh, the hardships I went through to, to educate, to motivate, to inspire, and to also let people know that, you know, 
this again, nothing works like the work. You put in the hard work, there's nothing remotely special about showing prayers, except that I am willing to outwork you seven days a week and twice on Sundays. But any of the uh, celebrities or uber successful people I have ever worked with, I promise you, people ask me all the time, what is the difference between them and most people? Were they born more gifted? Were they born more talented? Is there something unique that only they possess? And the answer is no. It's nothing. They put on their pants one leg at a time, just like you. But here is the one difference that I have found with everybody. They never gave up. They never, ever gave up. It didn't matter how long that road was. It didn't matter how long they were in that tunnel. It did not matter how many heartbreaks, disappointments, or no's they experienced. They decided to keep going forward, whereas most people tap out. Most people say, I've had enough. Most people say, get me out of this pit of life, and I am going to go and get a job where I know I'm going to get a check deposited into my bank account every two weeks. It might not be what I want, but it is safe. It's reliable. I can build a family around it. And they never realized I was this close. I was almost there. If I would have just held on for just a little while longer, everything that I know in my world would be different. Yeah. And that is the biggest difference I've found with people who have achieved uber success and those who have not. They just never, ever, ever gave up. Yeah. It's that disciplined mindset that a lot of people have a tough time setting into. Because again, like it's easy to say, you're going to be told no a gajillion times. Some people it's 100, maybe it's 500, maybe it's 5 million times. You never really know what, what path someone's going to have to go down. But again, to your point, like you're, you're to never give up that's that you're going to look back and think like, Oh my God, all of these hardship times, all the BS I had to go through all the, all the, the stuck in the mud moments that I had was all worth it. Getting to this moment where I finally accomplished my dream, maybe not in the form that you thought you were going to accomplish it, but in a way that is fulfilling, satisfying in a way where you're not only proud of what you accomplished, but you're also inspiring other people to go after their dreams. Correct. Yeah. And to go back to, again, what we were talking about, you know, you saying when it came to money and fame, kind of being that enticing aspect for people to either, you know, use it for good or, you know, use it to be, you know, you think you're better than everybody else. Like you saying, like, there are people who were dicks long well before they ever got famous and then they finally had the money and fame and they were exposed. Everybody knew it. How many, you know, in, in your experience, how many people did you see who were very kind up and coming? morph into some sort of you know greedy monster in a sense when they found that money and fame and they found that popularity and they just changed into, into a different person or was it more of the like they were good coming up and they used that stuff to again help people and inspire people with the platform that they had it's hard to, to put a number on that i don't know maybe it's 50 percent of the people going either way 50 percent used their newfound uh success for good 50 percent uh, you know, looked in the mirror and, th and think that God created only one person on planet Earth and it, it was them and they are the king of, of or the queen of Earth. So it's just really hard to say. Yeah, I mean, that, that's got to be a very 
weird thing to experience, you know, from like the outside of watching someone just completely change over the circumstances. Cause it goes back to, again, having those hardship times and those discipline factors getting there. And once you finally have everything given to you, everybody's praising you, you have that admiration from millions of people across the globe. Like you lose that edge, that chip on your shoulder, the thing that, you know, made you who you were leading up to that point. I feel like it's a very tough thing to have. And another thing I wanted to pick your brain about, because again, being uh, in the, the producer role on the music production side of things, uh, and I guess this goes for anybody in business as well, you know, I, I listened to your podcast with Angela Yee a few days ago talking about, you know, having to, if you have certain opportunities or certain opportunities that you have to pass on, and she was talking about that a little bit. And I kind of wanted to pick your brain about, you know, being in a situation where you know that like, finally, I've gotten to a point where people are knocking at the door and I have a few opportunities and they're all great, but I can only choose one. How did you, you know, go about, you know, picking certain opportunities when you knew you were leaving other great opportunities on the table? Uh, it's an excellent question. And, you know, to answer it in the short form, it goes back to trusting my inner compass, yeah. inner compass, trusting that voice, trusting that thing on the inside that is never wrong. Uh, I don't make quick decisions, especially when it comes to my career and my life. I don't work for money. I work for, uh, for happiness. I work to provide myself uh, the best. I mean, we go through this life, right? And, and we got one shot at it, this, that's it. Right. I am never, I never ever wanted to be a guy who, you know, I'm 70, 80 years old, if God spares my life to live that, that long. And I look back over my life and I'm just like, what the F man, like, like it just wasn't a life well lived. Like I did a bunch of stuff that I, I was forced to do it or, or I did a bunch of stuff conforming or following or just doing what, 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 uh, society says the right thing, but I just never ever trusted myself to do what Sean wanted to do. And for me, I'll give you a perfect instance. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I, you know, in, we, you, you are. For anybody who's watching this, I have had four very distinct careers. Uh, you know, I have been a um, a, a vice president at a major record label, um, Bad Boy Records. I am the owner of Palmos Inc. Marketing and Promotion. Um, we are the premier grassroots and alternative marketing agency. Uh, so anything that is non-traditional marketing, we excel in. We work with, with Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 100 companies. Uh, this company has been in existence for the last 20 years. We have done extremely well. I'm also the uh, founder and CEO of uh, Global Spin Awards, which is the Grammys for the DJs. So whereas if you have uh, the Grammys that serves for any uh, music artists, that is their um, award ceremony. The Oscars are the award ceremony for actors. The Global Spin Awards is the award ceremonies for DJs. Uh, but with all of that, you know, that I've done and, and I'm leaving out so much other stuff that I've done over the course of my career. What I'm doing now, I'm a motivational speaker. I'm an educator. I am someone who is trying to give back to our community. I'm, I'm someone who has devoted my life 
to, to sharing um, education and, and really uh, letting people know it doesn't matter where your life starts. It doesn't matter what yesterday looked like. Yesterday is just that. It's yesterday. Today is a fresh new start. And there is nothing, nothing standing in the way of you and your goals except you, except the willingness to go forward and never stop until you achieve them. But in doing this, this is not something that I did because of money. Right. It's not something that I did that, you know, when, when I said I really want, you know, because after a while you make, you understand that, that, that making money it's good. It provides you financial freedom. It allows you uh, to, to, to live fairly comfortably. But that's not what this life is about. This life is about legacy. This life is about what, what does your name mean? Forget, forget what you have in your bank account. When somebody says the name Sean Prez, what does that mean? Like, what does it stand for? What, what, what is the, the, uh, the capital that's associated with that name, whatever it might be, you know, we can look at at, at uh, you know the name Obama, the name Trump, the name uh, um, what is it? Elon Musk. Yeah. There's so like their names mean something, whatever it means to you. So me doing what I'm doing now, I could easily have chosen to go into another business strictly for financial gain, strictly that was self-serving. And you have to make a choice in this life sometimes. I just want to be happy. I, I, I want to do something that fulfills my spirit and my soul. And that's what I've always done. When I was chasing the music industry, it had nothing to do with money. It had nothing. I loved the music industry. Yeah. It was, it was, I dropped out of school. Like I could easily went back to school and, 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 and got a traditional degree if it was if it was about money, but but I chased the music industry because at the time that's what I loved. I loved it, and the money came. The marketing agency, while in the music industry, I excelled as this incredible marketer. I, I, I morph off and, and and go back to my first love, which is entrepreneurship, and I did it for love, and the money came. Over the many years of working with radio programmers and DJs and the people who really helped catapult my 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 life and my stock in the industry, I, I created the Global Spin Awards so, so that I can give back to them. And the money came. Yep. And it's the same thing with what I'm doing now. I, I, I genuinely want my legacy to be that I impacted tens of millions of lives in a positive way, that I that I gave somebody a seed that they planted deep within their subconscious or conscious. And it was something that one day grew into becoming this, this huge business or this huge thing that maybe the world will read about. And they'll say, you know, years later, it was this guy I never met before, but I heard him speak. And in his in his words changed my life. It just gave me the motivation to believe in myself and go after my dream with full force. So I never chase money. 
ever. And I pass on opportunities all the time, I promise you. And it has never failed me because when I'm going after that thing that that is, is purpose-driven, that thing that is rooted in my gift, it has always worked out well for me and I've seen the money come after. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect example to lead by and you're showing that because there, it's very easy to fall into the aspect of like, oh, I have empty pockets right now. I need to find money in order to be happy. Like like you said, like money is there so that you can support yourself. So you can have a, a nice home living, stuff like that. But at the same time, like money is not going to fulfill you. And in your case, going after your dreams, doing what you love, the money came. It may have not came right away, which a lot of people, you know, fall into it that. It never came right away. Exactly. Just to be honest, it never came right away. Right. And people fall into that trap of thinking that they need it right away in order to be content or just in order to, again, support themselves. Where you were chasing your passion, doing what you loved, which is fulfilling in its own right. And in the long run you were able to make up for that fact and say, here, I did what I love to do and now I can support myself doing it. Yeah, I think people use the excuse. Uh, it's convenient. Nobody's going to argue with you. If you say, I have to, uh, I, got, I, I got a family. I have bills to pay. I have to do this for now because right. what am I going to do, not live? That's co a convenient excuse. But here's what I would challenge anybody who says that. There are more than eight hours in a day. Do, do what you have to do to pay your bills, right. by all means. But guess what? When those eight hours are up, you need to be working those other 16 hours towards something that is greater than just a job, something that you claim you want. Okay, you want to change your life? If you want to become whatever it might be, use those other 16 hours for that. Are you willing to do that? Or when you get off work at your day job, is it Xbox time? Is it Netflix and chill time? Is it smoke weed and put your feet up and get the munchies and eat all night time? Is it talking on the girlfriend, I mean, on the phone to your girlfriend or your boyfriend time? It's just perspective. And you need to put your priorities in place. So I sit and I hear people come to me with, with, uh, these excuses, and I'm going to call it just that, because it's easy to talk your way out of doing something by saying, I have to do X, Y, and Z for now because I got to pay my bill. My challenge to you is, what the F are you doing with the other 16 hours in the day? Right. It's that simple. Yeah. I mean, that's a neat, another easy trap for people to fall in to think like, all right, now I'm working. And another aspect to that is, you know, you're burnt out. You're, you're not doing what's passionate to you. You're not doing something that fulfills you. And by the time you get home, you're just exhausted. And like you said, it, it comes back to perspective. You have to have that inner self drive to say like, okay, I need to do this in order to support myself, support my kids, whoever you're supporting. But at the same time, have that inner drive to go after my passions and pursue these projects that do fulfill me. And I feel like a lot of people either A, are burnt out or B, just don't have those passions and don't have that motivation to go after the things during, like you said, the other 16 hours of the day when they're not working their eight to 10 hour jobs every day. Yeah. I mean, um, just because people say that they want it just because, you know, I've found a lot of people who say I want success. I want 
to make more money. I want to live a more comfortable life. That's lip service. That that's just what comes out your mouth. Uh, you know, when we were children, we all heard the the expression "Do as I say, not as I do." Um, and I think that's how it goes. Uh, but but the point is, what you know, you can talk it all you want. I, I I'm following what you do. Like, like I, I hear what you say, sounds good. It actually might even sound extremely convincing. You might even be convincing yourself. Right. But your actions, that's what I'm following. So when I hear people talk about, oh, you know, I want to get in the music industry. Oh, I want to do this. Okay. I don't even have to say anything half the time. Let me just sit back and watch. And what I see people doing in the way that they are just... Uh, in the off hours, not using it toward anything beneficial. That's the most telling part. Oh, yeah. You don't want it as bad as you say you want it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, again, explained to a T right there. There's so many people that say they want it and they just don't work for it or they don't understand how hard it is. And once they understand how hard it is, it's like, okay, maybe uh, I want to go pursue something else. Again, something that's going to be a lot more uh, financially stable, something that I could, you know, support my family with, but that's not going to be totally satisfying or, you know, self-fulfilling for me, which I feel like a lot of people fall into. And you being, you know, in the music in industry for so many years, you knew that you, at one point in your life, you knew that you wanted to get there. And when you got there, you know, like, I know on the outside, at least for me, my brother just moved to Nashville. He's an aspiring musician. You know, you, you, you hear the, the horror stories of the business side of the music industry, you know, whether, you know, and, and it's a perfect opportunity to ask you like certain things, like when you realize, you know, there's great aspects and then there's the business aspects. Did you realize early on, like, okay, maybe this isn't, you know, as pure and clean from a business standpoint than you thought it was going to be just, because I'm curious as, as as to how the music production side of it works from a business standpoint. It's exactly what I thought it was going to be. I had no illusions. I I am I'm human. I'm a grown man. I understand that you're doing business with people, uh, and whenever you're doing business with people, people are they come in all different shapes, forms, sizes, and that people are not always going to be honest. People are not always going to be forthcoming. People are not always going to have your best interest at heart. But overall, in business, the name of the game is do better than the person who you are negotiating against. So I never had any illusions that this was going to be rainbows and gumdrops and everybody was going to be best friends. It, 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 it's the music business. It is the business of music. And if you understand that this is just another industry, it could be the oil industry, it could be the tobacco industry, it could be whatever. It's a business. So yes, there are going to be shady people. Yes, there are going to be people who... Um, are trying to swindle you out of, you know, your streaming rights and swindle you out of uh, your royalties and different, but it's your job to be on top of your business. It's your job to understand that there is more to the business than creating. Um, the creative part is 10% at best. It's the smallest part. 
It's the other side that you need to keep your eye on the ball with. So if you're coming into this and just thinking it's going to be best friends and I'm going to be hanging out with, with you know, your brothers down in um, Nashville. So, you know, some of the biggest country stars on the planet from Garth Brooks on that. Like if, if that's what, what they think, that, that that's just friends benefits. That's just something if it happens, it happens. But truth of the matter is you have to be a business person. First and foremost, because you are in the business of music. Oh, yeah. I mean, it goes back to everything else that, you know, you've kind of been talking about in a sense. It always comes back to you. Like, are you smart enough to negotiate for yourself? Are you smart enough to see if they're trying to maneuver it in a way where they're going to be, you know, taking those royalties or like coming out of it better off than you were like you at the end of the day have to understand how it all works. You have to be business savvy. You have to be, you know, overall um, when it comes to your mentals, like knowing how to not only negotiate, but know how the business side works. And like you just said, like you knew going in what it was about, you knew that you had to be smart in your own right in order to accomplish the things that you wanted to do and do it in a way where it was going to benefit not only you, but as well as your team members around you. Yep. So I got one more question for you. I don't want to take too much of your time. It's been like an hour and 15 minutes already. I always say like a half hour, 35 minutes, and then I keep asking more questions. But the last (laughs) question I have for you, and again, we've kind of been alluding to the fact that it always, you know, comes back to you, pursue your dreams because it makes you happy, not because it makes you money. Um, I wanted to get your take on, because it's a very important thing. You know, you talk about, you know, the faith aspect and, you know, putting everything at God's feet, because at the end of the day, he's the one with the plan. Like you could plan and God laughs is another one of those corner corny quotes that they say, but you know, the, you also have to look at, you know, the personal things in life, whether it's, you know, being a son, being, you know, a spouse, a boyfriend, whatever situation you're in, in your life, how are you able to, because again, when you were on tour, whether, you know, doing your own thing now, things on the business side get busy. How are you able to balance both business and personal life when it comes to those, you know, your loved ones who want to spend time with you at the end of the day? Um, I wasn't, just to be quite honest. um, Work life, and and I'm very transparent, work-life balance is a myth. It it, it is, uh, you know, I am a person who works very hard and more important, Today, 2021, I I am afforded a lifestyle where I don't necessarily have to work as hard as I did 20 years ago. Uh, I choose to work this hard, but I don't I don't have to, you know. And that's just it's not a bragging thing. I just thank God that I've been blessed um, financially, right? But when you are trying to to get to a place. Uh, of of any type of financial freedom, you you have to understand that that there are certain sacrifices that are going to be made along the way, and God willing, you have a ride or die chick or ride or die guy who is with you and who understands that this is part of the journey. Right. The work that you put in, the discipline, uh, the, the the lack of time that you will be able to spend with them, um, 
even when you are with them, your mind is focused on what you have to do. You will need a very, very, very understanding companion because work-life balance, it really doesn't exist, especially when you're trying to come up and achieve. It balances itself out later. Oh yeah. If, if that person is willing to stick around, but here's the, the bit of advice I would give. And this is something I'm trying to master to this day. Mm-hmm. Live in the moment. Yeah. I've always worked so hard that every time I hit one milestone, I got three milestones in my head that I'm pursuing, which means I never enjoyed the moment, right. the small victories, the things that the, the, the goals that I set for myself that it took me forever to achieve. And then when I got it, I don't, I can't even appreciate it because I'm like, damn, I got to get down there. It's the same thing when it comes to work-life balance. If you're home with your spouse, if you have time with your spouse, be in that moment because it's not necessarily about the time in terms of hours. It's about the time that you're there and you are laser focused on that person. You're laser focused on your children in that moment. Your phone is off. You are 100% committed to that moment. That's the balance. But don't think when you're trying to make millions, when you're trying to, to achieve financial freedom and wealth, something's got to give. You know, and I'm just being honest with you. There's going to be more time that you're probably going to spend working towards your goals and less time with the one you love. But when you are there with them, if they're understanding, give them 1 million percent of your focus for the hours that you're there. And that is the balance. I mean, if you find the one, again, that is right, that's willing to go through that, and again, like when you're in, you know, the, the the thick of things in business, when you, like you just said, when you are at home and you are able to spend time with your spouse, like give them 100% of your attention. And when you're working all the time, you want to give them 100% of your attention, I feel like. Yeah, I think you do um, 100%, especially if you have the right one. Again, but that's a whole other conversation. If you have the right one, then absolutely you want to give them your time. And truth be told, you're working, you know, and and it's it's cliche for people to say, you know, I'm working for you. I'm working to give you a better life. No, you're not. Like, Like most people who are driven, this is something you have to do. Like Sean Prez, I had to do this. I would not, I wouldn't have been me if I did not sacrifice the time, the hours to chase my dreams the way that I did. There would be a part of me, if I didn't do that, there would be a huge part of me that, that was, that would have to this day would be dead because I didn't live up to, to, to how God created me. I wasn't wired. I was, my DNA construct, my genetics won't allow me, uh, to just get a nine to five and be satisfied. That's not how God made me. And me being true to who he made me, I had to go after it. Now, granted, uh, there are other people who you love who are going to share in that, 
but I was working and I continue to work for me because it's just who God made me. And I'm unapologetic about that. I can't help it. Uh, some people, you know, God made them a certain way and, and that's just who they are. This is how God made me. And I'm being as true to Sean as humanly possible. And I've learned to stop apologizing for that. Right. You know, so that's the best, uh, you know, answer I can give you there. Hopefully that helps somebody. No, I mean, again, what you've been talking about over the last hour and 20 minutes or so has been very inspirational because a lot of people, myself included, on a daily basis, like we said, success is it's rented. You have to put in the work each and every day in order to make everything in your life come together in the way that you hope to have it. It's not always going to be that way, but it's going to come in a way where if you put in the work, you're going to be satisfied and you're going to realize uh, if you don't put in the work, what it's going to look like. At the end of the day, if things aren't working out the way you don't want to, I don't think you're working hard enough. And I think um, you, you, you touch on that great. Obviously, with the podcast, Power Move Makers with Sean Prez, again, available all streaming platforms. And again, I want to thank you so much for being gracious enough to take, again, the last hour and a half out of your uh, Wednesday afternoon to talk to me. I hope things are looking up weather-wise uh, in New York right yeah. now. I know we're getting there like first week in March. That's when you like start to see glimpses of warm weather gets to be inconsistent, but I'm hoping uh, you're staying safe. Cause again, weird times, hopefully we can get back to normal soon. Now, thank you so much for having me. I, I pray that I said something that um, you and your audience can benefit from. And, you know, I, I love what you're doing and, and just keep, you know, spreading goodwill throughout this world. Um, so thank you so much for having me. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said... TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.